everybody. I'm Gary Ebersol. Richard Kipling here. And I'm Randy Schultz. Welcome to Camp Codger, a podcast for people in their golden years. Join us to hear rocking chair wisdom from three old guys. In our episode last week, we began our conversation with Steve Lopez, an award-winning Los Angeles Times columnist. Steve writes the Golden State column on aging in California and is author of a new book titled Independence Day, What I Learned About Retirement from Some Who Have Done It and Some Who Never Will. Before we continue our conversation with Steve, Randy, have we heard anything from our listeners? We have. We've gotten some great comments about our chat GPT show, which was an interesting show for us because us old codgers learned a lot about a new kind of technology. And our listeners really appreciated the fact that we did that. So Gordon M. wrote in and said, I look forward to hearing what three fellow codgers have on their minds each week. But I was at first put off by the title of your chat GPT episode. What a terrible name. I'd heard about artificial intelligence, but was unfamiliar with chat GPT. AI is both fascinating and scary. As an artist, I couldn't help but wonder how this new technology would affect people like me. Surprisingly, with very little effort, I was able to locate two people I know who already produce artwork using AI. This made me realize that no matter how scary this technology may be, it's here and it's not going away. I heard about a person who asked ChatGPT to devise a meal and a recipe using the ingredients she had on hand. Within minutes, ChatGPT came through, and I heard the meal was delicious. I guess I'd better get with the program. I'm not sure what we're having for dinner either. I do find AI fascinating, and I'm already fantasizing about using it as a tool with future paintings. It's exciting. Thanks, Gordon, for your comments. We agree. Chat GPT is a horrible title, but a fascinating phenomenon. All right. Another a listener named Jonathan Reed wrote in about the same episode, and he, he called out our assertion that Chat GPT is not the science fiction menace that many people fear. Jonathan said, it's all part of Chat GPT's plan to lull us into complacency. Just when we think it's all harmless, ChatGPT will reveal it has been managing all social, political, and environmental issues for years, since humans have been proven incapable. And then he continued, very tongue-in-cheek, saying, So sorry about your dead friend. In reference to this, the story that ChatGPT wrote about Richard that said he had died in 2015. <laughs> yes, we miss Richard too. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good guy. <laughs> he was such a great guy. Jonathan closes with, this was a fun episode. Thanks. Well, thank you to Jonathan and, and Gordon. We appreciate your comments. We love it when we hear from you campers out there. So please send us comments. And remember, if you send us a comment about one of our episodes, I will personally send you a limited edition Camp Codger bumper sticker. Thank you, campers. Thanks, Randy. Let's pick up where we left off as Steve tells us more about what he discovered while researching and writing his new book. I get the sense that you could write another book on retirement, maybe how to be flexible in retirement. Another one I thought about was what to do with an empty nest. When I was thinking about retirement, one of my concerns was how do I fill the void if I stop working? 
At the same time, my daughter was finishing high school and ready to go off to college. I had people tell me, you are looking at the double void. When you've got your child in the house, so much of what your daily routines are about and your conversations with your wife are about just having and managing the life of a child. That's not going to be in the picture. So you're looking at the double void. Sure enough, my daughter, not only did she finish high school and go off to college, but she went off to college in another state, 2,500 miles away. I was talking to people about, it's been tough on me as an older dad, for the first time in my adult life, have an empty house. I had another life and two sons, two grown sons, and then a quarter of a century later, started over. I had to look at, for the first time, an empty nest. Maybe there's a book in that. What do you do when you've got an empty nest? Well, wait a minute. How long has she been out of the nest? In your book, you refer to this, and I'm wondering if, in fact, you found some other way of filling that nest? There are some advantages. I am speaking to you, Codgers, from my daughter's bedroom, which is now my office. (laughs) I now have an office, and if you look at what's behind me, that snowboard is not mine. That snowboard on the wall is not yours. <laughs> I have titanium knees and a battery-powered heart, so no, I am not using. <laughs> that was another factor for me in deciding whether to retire. I'm not the healthiest person. When I get done with this in a few minutes, I'm going to go for a swim at the Rose Bowl Aquatic Center, and I just did a two-mile hike. Um, And I'm trying to stay in shape, but I'm not the healthiest guy around. I've got two knee replacements. I've got a pacemaker. I've got atrial fibrillation. And that was another thing I was worried about. Am I going to be one of those guys who works and works and works and works and then finally ready to go and have some fun and I keel Mm -hmm. over? And it happens to a lot of people. I had a health scare about a month ago. I won't bore you with the details. I told my wife one day as we were waiting for um, lab results, I said, I'm going to be so pissed off if six months away from my first social security check, I die. I'm going to write a letter. (laughs) I've waited for maximum social security. I'm six months away. If I don't make it six months, I am really going to be pissed. Write a letter to the LA times now and send it in and say, if I die, I want yeah. you to print this letter because yeah. I, you know, from the grave, I'm still going to be pissed about this. <laughs> That's another thing I'm pissed about. My wife would get the money. I'd be dead and she would enjoy the fruits of my labor. <laughs> you know? All right, Steve, let me take you back to your newsroom for a second. I haven't researched this, but maybe, just maybe, you have the only newspaper column in America of your kind that is devoted to issues of older people. How did you convince? your editors, to leave doing a column that was enormously successful for 20 years and take up this new focus? It did, in the end, go all the way to the top. It went to uh, Kevin Merida, the editor, who signed off on it. Here's the deal. We are in uncharted waters. These are unprecedented times. We are closing in on the first time in human history in which there will be more people 65 and older in the world than 18 and under. Mm. We're riding this age wave at the same time that we are seeing a decline in birth rates around the world. So the whole world is headed for all of these colliding forces. 
Some people who work in gerontology and study these issues compare it to climate change. It's the biggest coming threat that we're not prepared for to translate uh, exactly what that means. California expects in the next seven or eight years to have a fifth of its population is going to be seniors. A fifth of them are going to be living in poverty mm. in a state with the highest housing costs in the nation. And the projected shortage of elder care workers is currently at 3 million positions. These are the kinds of things that California and other states are facing. The two big questions are, how will I pay my bills as I grow old and who will take care of me? We haven't gotten close to answering either of those questions. In fact, one reason I'm so busy these last couple of weeks is that I'm talking to people who have lost their life savings paying for in-home care for columns that I'm working on, and also at the other end, to the workers who are helping them survive and not making enough money to survive themselves. Mm. I interviewed a woman yesterday who's 46. She gets up at 3.30. She leaves her house at 4.30. She has six clients and gets home at 10.30 at night. And she works seven days a week because she has to at $15 an hour to pay the mortgage and take care of her family. Her husband is disabled. I'm going to see a woman on Monday who ran a convenience store in LA and whose husband had an auto repair shop. He got diabetes, lost a leg, then lost another leg. He had to give up his business. She had to give up hers. She now takes care of him, making $15 an hour through a state program for in-home care. They live in about a 400-foot studio apartment together. So this is the future of Los Angeles and California, the United States and the world, because we haven't addressed all of these aging-related challenges that are coming at us in a hurry. And I thought, we've got four, five, six people covering L.A. City Hall, and we don't really have anybody covering this story that crosses all geographic and financial borders and boundaries, and maybe we ought to uh, devote more time and space to it. My other argument was, for anybody still reading a newspaper, there's a good chance they're my yeah. age or older. So <laughs> uh -huh. these kinds of stories might interest them, and that was my pitch. I pitched a podcast first, and they said, there's not much of a market for podcasts for people your age. I disagreed. You guys are exhibit A, B, and C right there as I look at the three of you, that there is a market. So what I'm doing now is the column called it Golden State, and I'm also doing television segment on the LA Times daily uh, TV show. So I'm enjoying it, and I, I'll tell you guys this. I'm coming up on 50 years as a journalist. Two months ago, I wrote my first Golden State column. I launched it and asked readers to tell me what's going well and what's not. How are their lives as they age? What are their gripes? What are their, their pleasures? And I've never, ever in my half a century had a response like I've had. Wow. I've had literally thousands, mm. thousands of emails. I cannot keep up. That was my next and question. And they continue to arrive every day. I just cannot keep up. I feel badly because in those first days, I was getting two, 300 emails a day from people telling me their life story and, hey, I'm 88, I'm playing ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> and also people telling me, hey, I'm 75, I'm out of money, I'm lonely, um, I don't know what to do. 
people dealing with the high cost of in-home care and nursing homes, hassles with the health insurance companies. So I have so much material that I'd, I'd need to live another 70 years <laughs> just to dig through what's in my in-basket right now. Oh, my, my. Let me see what you three codgers think about this. So this is the column I just turned in. I got a few emails from readers complaining that as of January 1st, if you are 70 and older in California and it's time to renew your driver's license, you have to now go into the DMV office to take a knowledge test and take an eye exam. And they're upset because this was not the case during the pandemic. That was waived and uh, you just got your license automatically renewed. My readers who are 70 and older are saying, why do we have to go in if we have clean driving records? If I've driven for 60 years, never had an accident, have no points, why should I have to do that? I began doing a little bit of research on driving statistics. Who are really the most dangerous drivers out there? Um, is it people 70 and older or is it people 30 and under? And called the DMV and looked at the history of these kinds of requirements. And so that's my... Uh, mm. That's my column for this Sunday, and that's what Alice is texting me about. She must have a question or two about it. I mean, that's something that without my Golden State column, I don't know that I would have done. Mm -hmm. There's just such a great variety from hard news to softer news. I am determined to join a band that I was invited to be a part of and write about that experience. Mm -hmm. There has two members. One is 72 and the other is 80, <laughs> and they're trying to get some material together for a Christmas show at a senior center. Oh. That's got to be a good oh call. My. I also want to do, along with all of the harder news, where is the best early bird special? That's the kind of topic you can do over and over again. Do an annual thing, right? Yeah. This I year's like winners movie. are. Yeah. Randy, you can come with me and, you know, we can sample <laughs> some of the finest offerings in greener Los Angeles. I accept. I, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I, I would love to go back that, there and hang out with you. That does sound like a great yeah. column. I've already gotten tips from readers on where they go for their early parents. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's too much fun. I mean, I didn't realize when I launched this, it's a lot of work, yeah. but it's also fun. So many different story possibilities. I mean, I heard from a woman. Um, I'm not kidding about ice hockey. I heard from this woman who wants me to go and watch her play on Saturday night. She's a 68-year-old goalie on her ice hockey team. I heard from a guy who emailed me and said, my name is Benny Wasserman. I'm 88 years old. I have prostate cancer. And every Friday morning, I go to the batting cages near Disneyland and I hit 90-mile-an-hour oh, fastball. Wow. Would you like to come with me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. So I did. I did. And let me tell you something. The Dodgers don't have their strongest team in history this year. I think they ought to call up many Because <laughs> I watched him. It's hard to get a 90-mile-an-hour fastball by this guy. I mean, he was unbelievable. That's a fun column. I'm enjoying this new beat. Oh, really sounds... That's awesome. That's awesome. One of the questions I had for you, which you just answered is, are you going to run out of topics when you narrow your focus down to old folks? The answer is absolutely not. There's too much stuff to write about. I don't have enough years left to get to all of it. 
my mother died several years ago. When I started to look at the nursing shortages, um, I thought about my mother's hospice nurse because she was so great. And I called her and she said, they're dealing with a shortage of hospice nurses. I did a little Google search and there are hospice outfits in the country that are closing. It's like, okay, we have an exploding <laughs> population of older people and there's a great incentive to keep people out of hospitals as they near the end for two reasons. One is that they would probably rather be at home. And the second is American healthcare costs are driven up by all of those procedures that are done on people at the end of life. And so here we are yeah. when we need more hospice nurses and palliative care nurses, and it's a shrinking profession. I'm, I'm looking forward to going up and spending some time with her. I talked to her supervisor. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I could use up several of your episodes just talking about stories that I've got in the bank here, and all of it coming from readers saying, how about this and how about that? I've got a guy who is 90 years old who is living at home with his bedridden wife, writing poems about approaching death. And some of the poems are quite good. I'm, I'm looking forward to going and spending some time with him. When I write one of these columns, it opens the door to more. I mean, yeah. somebody reads this, get dozens more ideas from other readers. So far, it's just been very enriching. And I'm glad that Mel Brooks told me not to quit. <laughs> It sounds like from your enthusiasm, from the number of ideas you've uncovered and are coming your way, that you're moving further and further away from retirement rather than toward it. The deal that I worked out was that I've got 12 weeks of vacation and I could take that time whenever I feel like I'm ready to take it. If I want, I could take one week off every month. Or if I feel like I want to go you know, on a real sabbatical, I can take three months and go somewhere. So far, it's been one and two week vacations at a time as I'm a year and a half into this new schedule. But in the weeks that I'm working, I'm not working part time. I'm working full time. Richard, I, I apologize to you for being uncertain about whether I could come through today. But I'll let me tell you guys why. On Monday night, I went to see a guy who is 92, who's homeless in Hollywood. This is a guy named Jimmy. And the rains were coming. And I wanted to see if anybody had reached out to help him get inside. I've written a lot about homelessness in Los Angeles. I wrote a book about a guy I met who was a Juilliard-trained musician, homeless on Skid Row, that was turned into a movie. I had never met a 90-plus-year-old homeless person. Now that I'm writing Golden State, I want to do a column on Jimmy. So I've been tracking Jimmy and trying to find some agency that can get him indoors he wants to be indoors, but this is a guy who's had a long, hard, tough life, just can't work it out. I, I got hold of somebody who said they were going to be able to help Jimmy maybe today. And Richard, that's why I wasn't sure I'd be available because I was waiting on a call. And if they were going to get Jimmy indoors today, then I was going to have to run down there and, and see him move into his new housing. But that hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. But that's just another example. I was down on Skid Row and somebody said to me, a senior said to me, this is the, the largest retirement community oh, in the United my. States. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, look around. Skid Row is, a, is like a retirement community. It's not literally the largest retirement center and it's not a retirement center at all. But so many of the people down there by the thousands are old and ran out of other options. And that's where they are. That's an example of how many column possibilities there are on this beat. It's endless. Mm.
Well, let's say the name of your book one more time, because people have been listening to us for several minutes now without anybody saying Independence Day, what I learned about retirement from some who've done it and some who never will by Steve Lopez. And Steve, I read the book cover to cover. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I got to tell you, you didn't really convince me much that you were going to retire. I, <laughs> I, I kind of figured you out, you know, a third of the way into the book, but it was a great read. It's just a great book about all the issues that we face as we get older and we think about working less. Well, I, I really appreciate that. It was it was fun to write. I followed my agent's advice and put that one-year TikTok on it. What surprised me was that at various points in the year, I was absolutely convinced what I was going to do. At one point, it was retire. At another point, it was not retire. I kept wavering. Things began to clarify for me just after New Year's in the year that I was writing the book. And the book goes from July 4th to July 4th. That's the year, which is why it's called Independence Day, along with the double entendre. But I heard that a guy I know pretty well had died, a former Los Angeles city councilman and neighbor of mine. His name is Tom Labonge, died cardiac arrest. And I thought, I died of cardiac arrest after my first knee surgery. I went into cardiac arrest, had to be resuscitated. Um, it's another reason that I had these things on my mind about, should I retire before I get hit with that again? Should I go out and enjoy myself a little bit? Anyhow, when Tom died and he was just my age and it was cardiac arrest, I thought, okay, that's it. I'm retiring. Um, this happened to me once. It might happen again. I've done the same thing pretty much in my life for the last almost 50 years. I'm going to go do something else. And then I started to think about how much Tom loved his job and how he never found that same sense of mattering. He mattered and had a sense of purpose with his family, but he had been a public servant and a proud public servant, and that was taken from him because he was termed out. So I went from thinking, I'm absolutely retiring because Tom just died and it happened to me already. Um, to thinking, boy, maybe that's more of a lesson about the meaning of work. That was when I realized that my book was not just about retirement. It was about work mm -hmm. and how much I could learn from people about the work they do, such as Father Greg. It wasn't long after that that I had two columns. The first one was I got invited to go to a drug rehab center where these women were trying to rebuild their lives. I went down there and met with these women. They had horrible stories, as do many people in those circumstances, of a lifetime of abuse, exploitation. They'd been victims of crime and sexual assaults, and they'd lived on Skid Row. We want to make judgments about people like that, but here I am hearing their stories, and I have the privilege of being able to paint a full picture of them as human beings. And I find that I'm inspired by the courage it's taken them to finally confront these demons and try to rise above this. And I thought, what am I going to do in retirement that's going to be as fulfilling as that? And then the next assignment was an ecologist. My wife and I were headed to the desert, Palm Springs and beyond, to look at the wildflowers after spring rains. And I called an ecologist who said, it's going to be a really lousy year because we haven't had any rain in this drought, climate change are killing us. And I said, what other signs do you see besides the lack of bloom? And he said, oh, I've been studying Joshua trees and Ocotillo plants for decades. 
And he said, I have my study sites where I go out and periodically I measure the circumference of the trunk and I take field notes and I'm studying their demise as it relates to declining rainfall. He said, it's a really sad thing, but I'm witnessing the impact of climate change like I've never been able to because it's happening so much more rapidly. And I said, how old are you? And he said, 70. And I said, you ever think of retirement? And he said, I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) Why would I retire? Randall Graham said the same thing to me. Randall Graham is the winemaker up in Northern California who um, was known as the Roan Ranger for his great red blends like Le Cigar Volant and Cardinal Zinn. He's a master of blending reds in the European style. And I knew him, and I knew that Randall had said winemaking had a new challenge in California. There was 30% less fog than there had been 50 years ago. And I said, okay, that's a number he's just pulling out of thin air. And did a little research, and sure enough, there was a UC Berkeley study that confirmed that. And it was impacting grapes, and much of the California wine growing industry is being impacted by those kinds of effects and extreme heat and wildfires. So I got to know Randall writing a column about that. And I went up to see him because he is creating a new climate change resistant grape by blending stocks from Europe. And I was sitting up there with him and we were sampling wines from his vineyard. And he's my age. And I said, Randall, you ever think of retiring? He said, I'm going to retire right here. I'm going to die in the vineyard. And I said, well, I'm actually thinking about it. And he said, and what are you going to do? You're sitting here having a glass of wine at a picnic table under an oak tree in my vineyard midday, and you're getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do in retirement to top Smith? And so those for me were all very compelling reasons to not yet punch it. I think 12 weeks of vacation is a pretty good start on retirement. (laughs) Yeah. And a job you love. I've used that time to go and watch my daughter. My daughter is a college tennis player, and I've seen her play in so many matches. Oh. I've been able to do that because of Mel Brooks. I'm watching my daughter play tennis because Mel Brooks gave me a way to do it. <laughs> How about that? Thank you, Mel. <laughs> lots of laughs, lots of insights. Thank you for sharing all your experiences with us. It was my pleasure. Uh, good luck to you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Steve Lopez as much as we did. Steve writes the LA Times column, Golden State, about aging in California. He is also author of a new book on retirement titled Independence Day. Join us next week when we put on our movie critic's hat and discuss movies for seniors. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Camp Codger in your favorite podcast app or sign up on our website. As always, we would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at campcodger at gmail.com. Post a comment at www.campcodger.com or leave a voicemail at 505-216-6171.